This week's Parsha, Parshat Nitzavim Vayelach, Parshiot Nitzavim Vayelach, come on the heels of Parshat Kitavo. Parshat Kitavo, of course, uh, we read the great Tochacha, the long list of curses and terrible things that will befall Amisra when they do not keep the Torah, the Klalot that were said at Harival. And Parshat Nitzavim, to a large extent, follow up on this theme. Um, in some levels, take this even further. Whatever was said in Parshat uh, Kitavo was said, but the in Parshat Nitzavim, the follow up on this idea is 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 the destruction that comes onto Am Yisrael is compared to the destruction of Sodom and Amora. as it says in Perakavtet Pasukav Bet. Like the upturning of Stoma and Amorad, Mount Svoim, that God upturned with his anger and fury. This dwelling on the destruction and the terrible fate that can and perhaps will befall, or already has in the past, but at the time the Torah was written, will befall the Jewish people leaves us with a very pessimistic feeling. When we look uh, towards the end of the Parsha, the end of the Parsha, we're left with an even more pessimistic feeling. In, in the middle of Paraklamet Aleph, God speaks to Moshe, Moshe, God tells Moshe, Behold, you will sleep with your fathers, and this people will rise up and go astray after the gods of the strangers of the land into which they go, to be among them, and they will forsake me and break my covenant which I have made with them. Then my anger will burn against them on that day, and I will forsake them, and I will hide my face from them. And they shall be devoured, and many evils and trouble shall befall them. If in Parshat Kitavo, the Tochacha was a theoretical rubric, if you keep the Torah, you will get these and this, this and this bracha. And if you do not keep the Torah, you will get this very, very long list of of terrible things that will happen to you. Okay, so we can keep the Torah and we can avoid all of that. That hope is taken away in Parshat Vayelech when God says, I'm telling you, Moshe, that when you die, the people will go after the the idols. They will abandon, they will they will forsake the, the the covenant and God will get angry and presumably he will go ahead with uh, the, the, this great tochacha, this great list of curses that were brought in Parashat Kitavo. And, and Moshe tells this to the people as well. At the end of the parasha, he says, I know your rebelliousness and your stubbornness Because 
I know that after my death that you will become corrupted and you'll go off the path that I've commanded you and, and all the bad things will happen to you in the latter days when you do the bad in the eyes of God to anger Him with the works of your hands, i.e. the idols. And these parshiot leave it with a very heavy feeling a feeling which uh, Chazal state that uh, the reason why uh, Parshiot, uh, Parshat Kitavo at least, is always before Rosh Hashanah, maybe also Parshat Nitzavim, is always before Rosh Hashanah, Tichle Shana The year should end off with the curses. And yet, it's very nice to say the year should end off with the curses, but here we have such a major ending of the Torah. What, what do we do with this? What does this all mean to us? I'd like to take uh, this discussion in two different ways. The first is an idea which uh, Rav Meidan has developed. And he points to, going back to Parashat Kitavo, um, several issues. Um, we have in Parashat Kitavo, Bracha and Kala. Bracha and Kala have, have throughout Sefer Dvarim already since Parashat Re'ei, Re'ei natati lefnechem, Re'ei natati Bracha and Kala have always been offsetting each other. And, and, and Parashat Kitavo is no different. When we get to the Tochacha and Perak Kavchet, the Perak starts with, If you listen in the voice of God, you're, in the voice of God, and all these good things will happen to you. There are 14 psukim of Brachot, for argument's sake. And then, from Pasuk Tedvav till Pasuk Samechtet, roughly 64 Psukim of Chola. No, 54, pardon me. Um, so there is a Brachan, there is a Chola. And likewise, earlier in the parsha, we have Har Grizim and Har Eval. And in Har, Griz- Har Eval, we, we, the, the Am would face, the, the Levim would face Har Eval and say 12 Arurs that are mentioned in the Torah. But Chazal teaches that for every Arur, there was also uh, an opposite Baruch. So again, we have Arur and Baruch. But it's quite clear to the reader that the Torah is putting the bulk of the importance on the klala, on the bad. And this, as we've already alluded to, is hinted in the fact that the tochacha is totally imbalanced. We said 14 psukim of bracha and 54 psukim of klala. 15 psukim of whatever, the, we understand the, the, the problem here. If, even if there was both Klala and Bracha on Har Grizim and Har Eval, the Torah only records the Arur. Arur Haish, Arur Makla Vivimo, Arur Masigul Re'eu. So Chazal tells us there was also a Baruch, but the Torah did not see fit to record that Baruch. Har Eval, the Har of Klala, was the Har that was more central. How do we know this? Geographically, 
we know that topographically, we know that Har Eval is the taller of the two mountains. But as far as the Torah is concerned, what's explicit is that there's, there's a Mizbeach on Har Eval, not on Har Grizim. So the Kala is in the center of the Brit. What's the meaning of this? Rav Meidan tries to draw an analogy to the Ketubah. We have the Ketubah, which today it's very customary to draw up these very beautiful Ketubah and have them hanging on the wall. Um, and if we take uh, Rav Meidan's analogy far enough, then we could say it's the equivalent of writing the Tochacha up on the wall and hanging it up. And the reason for that being is that the, the, the Ketubah is not an easy document. The Ketubah does talk about the obligations of the husband towards the wife throughout married life, but it also talks about if the marriage falls apart. And the marriage can fall apart in one of two ways. The marriage can fall apart through divorce, and the marriage can fall apart through the husband, Rahman Ali Tzlan, passing away. Rahman Ali Tzlan, at some point, in all likelihood, the husband will pass away and the marriage will terminate in that sense, like any good marriage should. And then the ketubah has to be dealt with and the money has to be left over for the wife. And this has to be in the forefront of the wedding ceremony. It has to be there. Because the commitment between a husband and a wife is not tested only when everything is good. The commitment of the husband and wife is even knowing going into a marriage that there can be bad things that come up in a marriage as well, that we're going into this committed no matter what. And this is, if we take this idea, we take this idea back to the Torah and, and the Tochacha, then what the Torah is telling us, we're not going into the Brit with HaKadosh Baruch Hu only for the good. If we do the Torah, we'll get brachot. That's the deal. No, we're going into the Brit with HaKadosh Baruch Hu because we love HaKadosh Baruch Hu and presumably HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves us and therefore we're committed. We're committed no matter what. And we're committed to this Brit with HaKadosh Baruch Hu even though it might, might and inevitably will bring Chalot upon our heads because we might and inevitably fail. And when we do so, there's a long list of klalot waiting for us. And nonetheless, we're going into this breed. Putting the klalot in the center of the breed show us the seriousness of the breed. Being committed to something means being committed to something through thick and thin. Not only through the good times. And by putting the klalot in the forefront of the breed, the klalot become the Brit becomes a more significant Brit. There is, however, another important reason that the Tochacha, the destruction, the inevitability, inevitability, inevitability of the sin that Moshe describes to the nation based on Hashem telling Moshe is such an important fundamental of the Torah. 
If we take an example from our everyday lives, we buy a new software, we buy a new piece of equipment, and it comes with a manual. There are instructions in the manual how to use this piece of equipment or piece of software. In addition, there might be in a manual something about troubleshooting. What happens if this and this problem occurs? Now, there's really two types of problems as far as we're concerned regarding the manual. There's a problem that arises with the, the product that we bought that is stated in the manual. If this goes wrong, go back to step three and start from the beginning. On the other hand, there is another problem, the problem that's not written in the manual. The problem that's not written in the manual puts us at the end of the road. If we've reached a problem that doesn't exist in the manual, then the company that made this product in all likelihood did not foresee this problem and therefore there's no solution to this problem. We can go back to the manufacturer, hope something will come up, but in all likelihood what we have here is a defective product, one that is not useful. The problem that we can find in the manual that tells us what to do is the problem that makes us happy. Because it's saying we recognize the possibility of this problem occurring and we know how to fix it. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu burdens us with this great tochacha, when He burdens us with this information that Haidoti Bachem Hayom I'm letting you know that you are going to go off the path and all the bad things are going to happen to you. This is in fact not a depressing thought but a hopeful thought because it means that we found our problem in the manual. The Torah says we're going to sin. The Torah says that we're going to be punished. But the Torah also gives us the hope. The beginning of Perak Lamed. There is a potential for a problem. Apparently, the problem is inevitable. And because the problem is inevitable, the tochacha is inevitable. And we've witnessed, it's not ourselves in our own lives, thank God, but in the previous generation or two generations ago, we saw some of the worst manifestations of the Tochacha in the Holocaust. And this should leave us without any hope. 
But then we open the manual, the Torah, and it's in the manual. It says, this could happen. The program can go really, 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 really bad. And we can still fix it. You don't have to break the program. You don't have to buy a new one. We know that this problem can happen, and we're going to tell you how to fix it. And that's exactly what we have here. The deeper, the depths of the Tolchacha, the greater hope we walk away with. The more the Torah describes to us in the Tolchacha, the more hope and the more guarantee we have of a future. Because if the Torah tells us that we can sin so badly and we can be punished so badly, and that's part of the breed, that's part of the program. And nonetheless, the psukim that we just read in Parshat Nitzavim, there's tshuva from that, then we have hope. And this, of course, is a timely idea regarding tshuva kadmala olam. When Chazal teaches this idea of tshuva kadmala olam, based on the psukim and sefer tilim, b'terem harim uladu, before the mountains were created, before Maaseberishit, before Genesis, v'tomer shuvu bnei adam. And he said, return human beings. What does this idea mean that tshuva kadmala olam? Repentance came before the world. It means that when the world was created, it was created with the foreknowledge that there would be failure, there would be sin. And therefore, tshuva is built in to the system. Tshuva is one of, or vidui at least, is one of the 613 commandments. Because we're not allowed to be mechalel Shabbat, but if we're mechalel Shabbat, there's the mitzvah of tshuva, which allows us to get back on the path so that the Torah works properly. And the Torah telling us this, giving us the power of tshuva, whether on a personal level, or as we see here on a national level, by telling us that it could break, and it could break very badly, and we could be in deep trouble, and we could go back to Mitzrayim as slaves, and nonetheless, V'ashevotai levavecha, V'shavta ad Hashem Elokecha, V'shav Hashem Elokecha, Shvutcha v'richamecha, all this can still happen. The manual is prepared for these problems and the manual can give us the solution. And Dafka, from the depths of the Tochacha, we ultimately see the greatest hope. Because if in our darkest hour, if our darkest hour has already been documented in the Torah and nonetheless it tells us that we can come out of there, then we, have no, we never have reason to despair. Because we know that the problem can be fixed. I want to end off with an idea which is not necessarily related to what we just discussed 
until now, but certainly is related to the, the Parsha. After these words of uh, guiding us towards Tshuva, in, in Parshat Nitzavim and Parak Lamed, Sukim Aleph Tiyud, Parak Yud Aleph, Yud Bet, Yud Gimel, Yud Dalad, a sh- short paragraph with a very deep and important idea. For this commandment which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who shall go up for, for us to the heavens and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that, those should, that you should say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? This mitzvah that we are commanded today, the commentaries disagree whether this mitzvah is the Torah in its entirety or the mitzvah of tshuva, the mitzvah of repenting. And really the two aren't so far off from each other because the Torah includes all the mitzvot in the Torah and tshuva includes all the mitzvot in the Torah. Nonetheless, the Torah is telling us it is not far away from us and is, is not removed from us. It's not in the sky that we have to say, who will bring it down to us from the sky? And it's not me'ever layam. It's not over the sea that we have to say who will come over the, the, cross the sea and bring it to us. Rather, it is close to us for us to do. I think uh, there's a very important idea in these parsh- in this small parasha, which empowers the individual Jew in his avodat Hashem. If we go out of the world of Torah. If I have a question in law, if society has problems with law, if society has problems with medicine, what does it do? It doesn't demand that everybody be lawyers. It doesn't demand that everybody be doctors. We send certain people from society, and we send them to school, and they will become experts on medicine, and they will become experts on law. And now, if I have a problem with, with legal matters, or with medical matters, I don't have to be intimate with the details of medicine or law. I can go to the lawyer or the doctor and he'll tell me. He went to university. He went, if I may, to the sky or me'ever layam, across the sea. But the Torah about itself is saying that it's not like that. The Torah is not there for someone else to have a relationship with it for us. We don't need someone else to, to go into the heavens, to cross the sea, to forge a relationship with the Torah so that we'll have an idea what to do with the Torah. What should we think? What should we do? I have no idea. I'll go ask the person who went up to the heavens, who went across the sea. And the Torah is saying, no. Every individual has potential for a relationship with the Torah. It's close to you. 
it's very possible that uh, on specific halachic issues, we do have a, a, a small circle of, uh, of rabbis who have the knowledge to make halachic decisions. But I think what the Torah here is telling us is that ultimately we're individually responsible to forge an individual relationship with the Torah with no conduits. Without that person who goes up to the sky, without that person who crosses the sea. We are able to interact with the Torah. We are able to have a relationship with the Torah. This idea is uh, perhaps today more necessary than ever. One goes to the internet today um, to different sites where rabbinic authorities are being asked questions. They're not asking people. People aren't being asked. Ask, are not asking questions about what happens to the chicken. Is it a trefa? Things that you really need expertise in. What happens to this dish? milchik dish that came in contact with some sort of meat, what was the temperature, what happened? And again, a question that needs some sort of halachic expertise. People are asking just about any question, halachic or not, but how to lead their lives. People don't turn to the Torah anymore, people just turn to the rabbi. And unfortunately, in many cases... They're not being encouraged to say, you're, you're an intelligent person. Go to the Torah, learn Torah, see what the Torah has to tell you. They, they're being given answers on questions that are not of halachic nature and the rabbi doesn't even necessarily have expertise about. But besides the, that's besides the point. The point of the psukim is that the Torah empowers us to forge a relationship with the Torah. Even if we, ha- we, we have to ask authorities questions at different times. And the Torah tells us about that. That there's konim, vashoftim, asheryu, bayamim, ahem. We do have to turn to them for, for, for authority. But does that mean we are, we are not players in the relationship to God? Is our relationship to God only through these people who went up to the sky and brought down the Torah to us? Who crossed the sea and brought us the Torah? No. The Torah says... And, and before Rosh Hashanah, let's take it upon ourselves to try to understand this idea that the Torah is putting to putting before us in Parshat Nitzavim, right before Rosh Hashanah, that we are responsible ultimately for our relationship with the Kadosh Baruch Hu, with the Torah. We are not supposed to be dependent on someone else. The Torah is not like this. The Torah is not some sort of subject matter that we send experts to study and give it back to us when we need it. The Torah is a constant factor in our lives and we must interact with the Torah directly. Shabbat Shalom.